morning, everybody. And good morning to those who are joining us online this morning. I'm glad that you could join us um, that way. Technology is very useful. So um, please have a seat. And thank you, team. Amazing as usual. Um, Yep, special clap for Emily, who is uh, just stepping into every instrument. She only has the drums to go. And she will have uh, done everything. So, um, so welcome. And yeah, so I'm continuing the theme of um, sent to build community. And I want to start by asking you a question. And don't think about it. What is your instant answer if I said, "Are you an influencer?" Now, if you are probably forty or under, you probably said no, because the definition of the word influence in our current uh, world has taken on a particular thing in the social media world. So when we talk influence in the community, who comes to mind? Well, you know, the Kardashians, um, maybe a yummy mummy that you might follow, perhaps a sporting person that you might follow, because in the social world, um, the word influence has come to mean something in particular and it's really only been in the last six to ten years that that has really taken a hold. It's a very pretty current thing. Um, so a social influence, for those who are over 40 and haven't looked up a definition, um, it actually started with the power to affect purchasing decisions because of authority, knowledge, position, or relationship with their audience. So it actually, it, it comes out of a marketing thing, all right? So that um, I actually work with a influencer. She's got about 150,000 followers on Instagram. Um, she's a teacher, she works one day a week, but I bet she makes a lot more money <laughs> in the other four days when she's an influencer. And my understanding is that she just started doing posts uh, about her family and stuff. She does have a modelling background, so she's a pretty beautiful um, looking lady. She's got three or four kids and she started making posts and then people started approaching her, like sending her baby gear and products and things like that. So it actually, marketers could see the benefit of using what she represented and the values she represented. She's a Christian, right? And she was representing a particular set of values that for them was attractive. And so they thought, well, we could start sending her stuff and then she could promote our gear. And so then she makes a decision about whether she wants to promote that product. And so it kind of is a bit of a, a round and round it goes. And so she, and she makes money out of that and she gets stuff for her family. And that is a way that she can live. So she is a social influencer. Um, I thought about do, and I thought, I don't follow any social, I'm not into that, I don't follow those people. But then I actually thought about the fact that being an influencer has gone broader, so that it could be that you follow somebody because of their sporting influence. So it might, you're not interested in the marketing side of it. I did look up who are some of the largest, who have got the most followers in the world. I won't ask for guesses because it's a bit hard to guess, but the one on the site that I found, the one that came up highest was Cristiano Ronaldo, the soccer player, who has got nearly a billion followers. He's got 700, 787 million followers. Like, that, that, that is an astro... Not, I can't even conceive that number. Um, Justin Bieber, 
477 million, Kim Kardashian for 50 million, Dwayne The Rock Johnson for 35 million. So there you can get soccer, um, uh, singing, Kim Kardashian, well, um, <laughs> reality television is I think where she entered into the world. Um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is a movie star. Um, and then um, on the lower level, but sort of more of that other area, there's Zoe, Zoe Sugg. Does anybody follow Zoe Sugg? No, she's in the UK. She's a lifestyle influence. I think kind of that yummy mummy sort of thing. Um, Chris, Ber Chris Burkard is the, a travel influencer. He's got nearly 4 million followers from a travel point of view. Um, apparently Arnold Schwarzenegger has 23 million for fitness. So, <laughs> so fashion, beauty, fitness, um, tech. So I, I realised then, well, actually, I do follow several people from a travel point of view because I follow two people that uh, uh, talk about France and um, a person who talks about Switzerland because we're going to be travelling. And, so I, and I've been following them for years anyway. Now, it's not a marketing thing. They don't actually have sponsorship or anything. They just are experts in their field and knowledgeable. And so I'm following them from that point of view. Who follows somebody from that point of view? Does it, not travel, but you have, you're following somebody because of what they're interested in. It might be tech, it might be sport, it might be cars, it might be... Yeah, so, so we do. Now, my point is that we are following them because of their influencer, because they're influencers. And I'm talking about influence today because my message is about leadership. Right? Is an influencer, a social media influencer, are they leaders? Now, in the traditional, probably the way we would define it, we'd say no. You know, they don't have a title. They're not the corporate manager. They're not, you know, they might be a business owner or something or other. In the traditional sense, we'd say no. But they're called influencers because they are having a lot of influence. Yes. So they are leading in our community. Now, that could be in a positive way or it could also be in a negative way. But are they leaders? Absolutely, they are leaders. And they are leaders because they have influence. They are the two things I want to put together today. Leadership and influence. If you look into the area of leadership, um, which is an area I, I actually love to read about, I am a leader by title um, in my work, but it's always been an area that's interested me and I, I do run leadership workshops in my um, school on leadership and it's something I just love to and I've got books about it. And you can find a million definitions about leadership. What does it mean to be a leader? The one I keep coming back is one to offer again and again and again. So it's just the one I like. If you're a leader, you might have one that you like, but this is the one that draws me every time. And it's from John Maxwell. He says, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. Really simple little definition. Leadership is influence, Nothing more, nothing less. And that's one I, I want to focus on today because if my theme is leadership, a lot of you, well, not a lot, some of you might sit there and go, oh, well, now nah, that's not for me and kind of start thinking about what you're having for lunch today. But I want everybody, what I want you to go away with today is thinking about I am a leader because I am an influencer. All of us, everybody is a leader in some place in the community, in your world because we all have influence, 
Right? That's, where that, that's why I love that definition. If you think about where you might have influence, you have influence in your family. Right? As parents, we have a lot of influence over our children. As an extended family, you might be an auntie. You will have influence over nieces and nephews. Right? You might, as, a, uh, as people get older, I might even have influence over my, my mum. Right? As she starts to kind of rely more on me instead of me rely on, on her. As she, for example, she can't drive anymore. So, you know, there is a, there's things that I now have to do for her and I have influence in her world because she's depending on me a bit more. Um, we uh, it will influence our partners. We will have influence over workmates. What about in sporting teams? We don't have to be the captain to have influence on the tone of a team, for example, or the tone of a club. What about at school? What about at uni? Right? We can have influence in lots of different places. Because leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. I want to just look at, um, in the Bible, I want to look at Moses today. And I've just realised, no, I'm all good, okay. Um, So I want to look at Moses because he was a biblical leader. I thought, well, who are some of the biblical leaders? So when I was preparing, I kind of did a bit of reading. So he's obviously obviously a leader. We'd say, yes, Moses was a leader, but he was a flawed leader, right? None of the leaders in the Bible were perfect. They all at some point made mistakes. And I want to just look quickly at some of the things that kind of he journeyed into becoming a leader. What happened in that, that sort of that calling of Moses? So briefly, you'll know that Moses was born, um, he was a Levite. He was born in Egypt when the um, Israelites were under slavery and he was actually born at the time where the current pharaoh had said all the, all the babies have to be killed because the Israelites were, they were flourishing, they were, their population was growing and he actually felt threatened. So he'd made a call that all the children should be killed. But my, Moses was saved because his mum and sister hid him in the bulrushes and he was actually found by um, pharaoh's daughter and taken in and brought up in pharaoh's home. I think that's significant because I think he was actually being positioned by God in terms of where he was. So he was brought up in the home of a very significant leader. That has to somehow influence your life. He made a mistake. So he killed somebody out of a sense of justice. Injustice won't go into the whole story. Have a look at beginning of Exodus if you want to read it. And he fled because he then was a criminal and he ended up in the desert living with the Midianites. And he was there for a long time. And there he was essentially a farmer. And then he met the burning bush. And we kind of start the story of God calling Moses through the burning bush. In Exodus 3, it goes, God is beginning to call Moses. And I'm not going to read all of it. We're going to um, start about verse 10. So he's seen the burning bush and God has sort of is talking to him. But God says at verse 9, Now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So God was seeing the plea of his, uh, the fate of his people and the, um, the plight that they were under, and he wanted somebody to go in to rescue them. And he chose Moses. He showed this kind of shepherd man that was living out in the desert, said, you're the man. Well, Moses sort of went, what? what? 
So what did he say? So first of all, Moses in verse, uh, verse 11. No, Moses, yes, Moses said, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? You reckon I can do this, God? Right? If God, and you could, I can almost hear myself if God said, okay, I want you to go and talk to the local mayor about blah, blah, blah. Right? Well, you want me to go? I, I, I'm not going to have any influence over the mayor. Right? Well, what about if God said to you, I want you to go to your neighbour and visit them and pray with them? What about if God said, I want you to go and visit that um, grieving colleague who's just lost um, a, a family member, um, that, but it's the colleague that you don't get on with. They're, they're not the particularly you know, well-liked colleague. What if God said, I want you to visit them? I want you to go and see them in there you know what's our reaction in those things when God challenges us about doing something a little bit challenging in our community you know the neighbor that we don't particularly like the colleague we don't particularly like or just going into a situation visiting somebody who's grieving how do I do that right we feel uncomfortable we don't feel prepared right who am I to go and do that at whatever level, whether you might be a, a leader in a significant position, there will be a level that still challenges you right, in terms of who, what they might be asking you to, what God might be calling you to do. And we do often go, who am I that I should go? Right, I'm not a leader. I don't have any influence. How am I going to change Pharaoh's mind? But God says in verse 12... I will be with you. I will be with you. We just sung a number of, sang a number of songs this morning that talking about the fact that God is with us. Right? We have a God that reigns, a God that is present, a God that is here with us. So I will be with you and this will be the sign that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. So God was saying, I'm going to be with you. Don't stress. And so the first point I want to make this morning is that we are influencers because God is with us, all right? In all circumstances, we can have influence because we're not going on our own. We are going with God, a God who is present with us. So we are influencers because God is with us. Moses wasn't happy though, all right? He was going to push God a bit more. So if you jump, I'm not going to read all of it, but if you jump to beginning of chapter 4, so God talks about, you know, I'll be with you, go and talk to the elders, gave him a whole lot of instructions and said, if you do this and do that and go to Pharaoh and um, I'm going to send you to a land with flowing, flowing with milk and honey and Moses is going to let the people go and you will even plunder the Egyptians. He, he gave instructions for the women the Israelite women, to ask the Egyptians for their gold and silver. And he, he said, they'll give it to you and you're going to leave with, you're not just going to run away, you're actually going to leave rich. And he gave all these instructions. But Moses said, but what if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen? Right? What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? Right, so Moses is going, nah, 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 I'm not in this. He's finding every excuse possible to not step into the leadership that God has put before him to take on the challenge that has done. Again, can you hear yourself? <laughs> I can. <laughs> so um, if you think about your neighbour, what if my neighbour refuses my offer of prayer? 
Right? What if I don't know what to say to my grieving friend? Right? What about if I go, I, I'm, I'm thinking about going to the school to talk about a particular program they're teaching because I don't like what it represents and it doesn't suit the values of my family. What if they kind of, you know, go, well, you're an idiot. What are you talking about? This is what schools do. You, you know, what if, what if, what if? We often have those things going in our head. We think about what's the opposite. All right. Well, what did God say? God said, what is that in your hand? Right? What do we have to deal with this situation? And God actually set up a whole wonder for Moses because remember he had the staff and he said, throw it on the ground and it turned into a snake. And then he said, pick it up. And then it turned back into a staff. And then there were two other miracles. Put your hand in his cloak and it came out leprous and then to put it back and it disappeared again and the third one was to pour water on the ground and it turned into blood so he created these amazing wonders which he did with Moses and guess what Moses still wasn't quite convinced all right but the point I want to make there is that if we are people to be people of influence God doesn't accept our excuses because God empowers us he gave Moses at that point could have gone wow God you have given me this power Yes, I can go and do this, right? Because God was empowering him. So that's my second point, that to be influencers, we don't make excuses because God empowers us. But Moses still wasn't convinced. He was really pushing hard on God, right? So beginning of uh, chapter 4, it says, what if they do not... No, no, that's not it. It is verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. So he's still making up excuses. I look, I don't don't know what to say. Do you know when I interview people for leadership positions, whether it's adults or I do student leadership type interviews sometimes too, do you know what the number, if I say, what's one thing that concerns you about this? Do you know what the number one thing is? Getting up and talking in front of people. Right? It is everybody. Nobody likes getting up and talking in front of people. It is not a, something we are naturally comfortable with. I can do this because I've done it a lot. But it doesn't mean that I'm not nervous every time I sit down there waiting and come up here. Right? It, that is a natural thing. Right? Um, there's lots of talk about, well, did Moses have a speech impediment or something like that? We don't know. Right? But he was saying, I am not eloquent. I can't speak. And yet and part of me is going, but hang on a minute. You actually grew up in Pharaoh's household. You grew up in a household of leadership. You had that modelled. How can you say that you actually have, are clueless about this? So the more I thought about I thought, oh, I think Moses is making lots of excuses here um, about why he can't do this job. Um, at that point, and you can imagine, because Moses has really pushed back hard, verse 14 says, the Lord's anger burned against Moses and I could just imagine he's like what the heck like just how much do I have I've just like you've just seen a staff turn into a snake I've just you've just like waters turn, like what more do you want to convince me that I am with you that I am going to empower you that you can do this job like you can imagine like, so wonder God didn't just go zap well you're done for I'm going to go and find somebody else um so, like, like, I can, you know, if that was me with a child, I'd be getting frustrated too. So, what did he say? The Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, probably through gritted teeth, 
Um, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you and his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth and I will help both of you speak. And that, so then he's basically he's saying, I'll send somebody to help you. And so that's my third thing this morning is that when we are challenged and when we are going to be um, perhaps influenced, influencers, that we don't do it alone. We do it in partnership. For us, we have a church community here. We as a church are influencers. We are partnering together with God to be influential. It is second one of our values up on the banner there. Right? We are a growing, influential community. We are faith-filled, loving and united. Influential. Now, that's not up there because that's what Bruce and Julie are or John and Emma are. That's up there because that is what we are. Right? They are our community values. That is what we are doing together so that we together are influential, which means each of us individually have responsibility for being influential. We think about how can I influence those around me for good? How can I influence them with my Christian values? How can, my, how can I show them God's love in my work, in my school, in my unsaved family, for my unsaved family members? Right, that is where we are working because God sends us people that will partner with us. Right? So we are influencers God empowers us. We can't make excuses. And God partners with us. And the other point I want to make about this is that Moses wouldn't have kind of got to that point of actually making God really angry if he'd been obedient to the first call. So part of being a leader and being influential is actually also knowing how to be a follower and to be obedient. So that we are all leaders from the perspective of being influential, but we are also all followers. Every single one of us has leaders that we are answering to, and ultimately we all answer to God. He's our ultimate leader. So we need to both be leaders and we need to be followers. And I don't think Moses wouldn't have been, yeah, if he'd just done what God had asked, then it wouldn't have, kind, it wouldn't have got to that point of such angst and he would have made God quite so angry. I, don't, I think that anger probably caused some issues later. He should have just done what God asked him to do. But we, we push back on obedience too. I get that. Because um, he, he did say Aaron will be your speaker when he talked about I'm not eloquent. I will give you Aaron. But there's actually only two instances recorded in the Bible of God speaking to Aaron and then um, Moses out, Aaron outworking what Moses was supposed to say. In the end, it seems to be Moses that does all the speaking. So what that says to me is that when, God actually, when Moses actually came under God's authority and took on the leadership, he recognised the power and that issue with eloquence went away and he could speak for himself. Now, I mean, that's not, I'm kind of reading into the situation, but I think there's a message there about how when we are obedient, that then we are empowered. Um, one of the books I did pick up was reading, there's a, a um, Phil Pringle has a book on, I think it's called Spiritual Leadership, I think it is, I can't remember. Anyway, he's got a, a leadership book and I was reading some of that um, and a couple of quotes that he said, 
No leaders will be successful without having proven they can accept authority. Right? And particularly over their own lives and particularly in formative stages. So for those who are young, well, the younger ones have gone today. But if, and I guess I can see that as a teenager, if I can see young people that are taking responsibility for their own lives, taking responsibility for their actions, they are learning that they need to um, come under authority, whether it's their parents or their teachers or their boss, that they are developing faster and you can see the leadership um, qualities rising up in those ones. Right? The ones where you see the potential but then they don't follow through, you're going, well, we can't make them a student leader because we see this, that they're not, they don't understand coming under authority, so how can they then be a responsible leader? Right. He also says, um, he spoke of himself, Phil Pringle, my effectiveness as a leader lies in the fact that I myself also have a leader and I can be led. So Phil Pringle recognised that he learnt to be a leader because he came under the leadership of other. And our strength of influence, so our strength of influence is directly proportionate or related to our level of submission, not just to God, but to also to those people whom God places in our world. So we are leaders from the perspective of influence, but I'd also ask you, are you a good follower? Right? Are you an obedient follower? Do you push back against leadership when you're asked to do something? Some of us, uh, sits uncomfortable, and that might be a natural reaction, but do we push through that and do what's asked of us? Right? So are we good followers as well? And as I said, I think Moses would have faced a lot less angst if he'd come under God's leadership and done what had been asked of him. So are you a leader? Are you an influencer for God? What is it do you think he might be calling you to do? Right, who is your pharaoh? Is there any situation where you've been making excuses? You know God's been calling you to speak to somebody or to do something and there's been the excuses. There's been the what-ifs coming out. Is that something you need to think about today? Or you might be a person who sometimes you can hear yourself saying, oh, but who am I to go and do that? I'm not good enough. I'm not old enough. I'm, I'm too young. I'm, I'm not brave enough to do that. No, let, let, the, let, let the leaders, you know, the real, the ones with the labels leader, let them go and do that. Or what if they don't believe me? What if they won't accept my offer of prayer? I, sometime, sometimes I, get, I work with parents a lot, sometimes in challenging situations, and I will often feel led to say, would you like me to pray for that? I work in a Christian school, so I can do it all the time now. But even at Cornerstone, which we had a lot of families that didn't have church backgrounds, there was only once ever that somebody said, no, thank you. And they weren't rude about it. They said, oh, no, thank you. But you can still make that offer. Right? And what's, it didn't. Oh, okay, they don't want prayer. All right, <laughs> no skin off my nose. You know, like it actually wasn't an issue. But you can make the offer and 99% of the time they say, yes, please, thank you. You know, and you can, you know, next thing there's a few tears because they've been impacted by that. So for the one time that they refuse, it is worth it to do it the 99 times. And then you might be a person that says, well, I'm not eloquent. I'm not a public speaker. Or I'm not experienced enough. I don't know everything. 
God is with you. He says that he will empower you. And he says that if, if you're struggling with that, maybe pray for the partner. Who can he send to work with you in that scenario? And if you, if he, you really feel that he's calling you to go and visit a neighbour and you're nervous about it, well, ask somebody to go with you. All right, can you, Tiggs, can you come with me? I, you know, I'm just really worried. I, I, look, there's been a suicide in the family and that's, wow, how do I deal with that? All right, ask somebody to come with you. Somebody that, you know, ask Pastor Emma, ask Laurie, you know, ask Math- uh, Michael, okay? It doesn't matter who it is. Just ask somebody to come with you and um, that they can partner with you in that situation. So today, I would like you just to reflect on your influence as a person in the community How can you be adding to our influence as a church community? Is there a pharaoh? Is God calling you to do something? Could I have the team up? Thanks. Who can you influence this week? In your work, your school, at home, in university, in the community, in your kids' school, your neighbours? Because God is calling all of us to be influential in some aspect. It's an outworking of our Christian faith and, he, and ultimately being obedient to God. He is the ultimate leader. He is um, our leader. So we can be obedient to him as followers and then be good leaders in the community ourselves. Let's all stand. This morning, I'd like to just pray for everybody in terms of our influence in the community. Might be that you actually have been, God has been prompting you and you've been resisting that call. And you might have been making the excuses. Well, today might be a good time just to say, sorry, God, I know I've been making those excuses. I, I need to actually just step out and do what it is that you've been calling me to do. But there might also be somebody here who's perhaps let themselves drift away from God. You haven't been coming under his authority as a follower. You've kind of got distant from him. So it might be somebody online who's listening today where you don't even know the God that I'm talking about today. And this could be your chance to meet Jesus and come under his authority because he is going to empower you in your life to be a leader, to be an influencer to those people around you. So if, you, if that is you today, um, if you're present and would like to know more about Jesus or you you've kind of feel like you've drifted and you'd like some prayer for that, please come forward at the end of the service and I'll very happily pray with you or one of the other leaders here will pray for you. If you're online on our, the service page, if you go scroll up to, right to the bottom, there is a link there there's a prayer that you can pray so that you can come to know Jesus as well. Please get in touch with us. We will uh, make sure that you're supported and that perhaps connected in with a church, whether it's this church or a, a church local to you, we can do that. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, that you do call us. Thank you that you are our ultimate leader, that we can come under your authority because that is a safe and secure place that we have a God who reigns that you uh, know each of us intimately 
that you empower us in our lives, that you partner us with people so that we can do your work. Father, we pray that you'll continue to help us as a church to grow, to be more influential, to build, um, to be people that are going out to the community and spreading your love. Father, I pray for anybody today here who knows that you've been putting a pharaoh in front of them and they've been pushing back on that. Father, remind them that you are with them, that you will empower them in their circumstance and that they have brothers and sisters here that they can call upon and that we can go together. Jesus sent the disciples out two by two and we can go out two by two as well. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us. to just spend a moment asking God what does he want you to go and do what is it that he is sending you to you might not feel like you've got a particular thing at the moment Father I ask that you open our eyes to those around us that we can influence that we can be a a powerful influence in our families in our workplaces in the schools we connected with studies, in the sporting clubs we're involved in, in associations and hobby groups, wherever we're connected in our community, Father, may we be influential for you. Thank you, Jesus, that you are with us. Everybody said, 